This podcast is brought to you by absolutely no one. The Bold and the Beautiful podcast with Dave Vella. Who the hell is Dave Vella? G'day and welcome along to the podcast. It's Dave Ella here. I've got to tell you, I really enjoyed this conversation. Articulate, smart and funny. My guest was the very first person I met and I became friends with when I first moved to Byron Bay about eight years or so ago. He has a big personality. He's very opinionated and brutally honest, which will either attract you to him or push you away from him. Proudly Jewish and a dad to three boys, he's a former junkie and a recovering alcoholic just getting out of rehab to control his bottle of vodka a day indulgence. He has also been diagnosed with bipolar 2, a condition that sees him experience incredible periods of extreme depressive lows and the hypermanic highs that reside on the other end of the condition. We were meant to catch up for a walk on the beach, but the persistent rain forced us onto the deck at my place for a coffee and a chat. He started telling me about how the rehab centre he just visited is divided into three different groups. The sad, the mad, and the bad. I knew this was going to be a great conversation, so I stopped him and asked if I could mic him up for the podcast. And here we go. I love this guy, the man with the beautiful mind, Jason Adamek. That was funny. I, I loved what you said about the three names mm. of the different areas yep. at the rehab he just came yeah, out yeah, of. Yeah, just came out of Kurumman uh, Clinic. Yep. There was uh, mad, sad, and bad. <laughs> That's gold. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got put in the bad. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet yeah. you felt good because you were put in the bad. Well, yeah, I would prefer that than the... The, the mad? The mad. The sad, you know, would have uh, been appropriate as well. I was a bit I was a bit mad, sad, and bad, but no, the sad... So, sad, so sad is the depressed? Sad is the depressed, mad is the, the mad. schizophrenics, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then the bad is the drug addicts and alcoholics and, like myself. Yeah. So what did you go in for this time? Uh, this time I went in basically, or well, for a couple of reasons, I needed to get uh, formally diagnosed, well formally, uh, you know, by a psychiatrist for something that I've known I've had for many years. Um, you know, so I've struggled Which with is bipolar? Bipolar 2. Yeah. So specifically bipolar 2, which for a lot of people that don't know what that means. So there's, you've got two different types of bipolar, there's one and, and two. Yep. Uh, one specifically deals with people that have uh, pure mania per se, so they have delusions of grandeur. They'll they'll believe they're the king of the universe and make make things up and go through very destructive um, situations in their life. Um, the so that's bipolar one. That's bipolar one. Yeah. So specifically mania. Okay. Uh, bipolar two is more hypermania. So hypermanic will generally be, as you've seen with me on a number of occasions, where I'm highly excitable. I've got fantastic ideas. I can yeah. do ten thing, ten thousand things at once. You I, talk very fast. I talk very very fast. My brain works in overdrive. Mm. Uh, I get things done. Um, mm. There's a more realistic approach than pure mania. So I can do the things that I. Yeah, you can, can you, can, you can function I, very I nicely. I highly function. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm frustrating for others, you know, mm. to be in a, as you know, to be in a conversation. Oh, well, you're not like frustrating it. for me. I've always no, told you that. You, like no, I, you enjoy, we enjoy that banter yeah, and yeah. you can stick with it, but a lot of people... Maybe I'm bipolar a bit. Maybe you I'm. wish, mate. You wish, <laughs> um, 
But the, the problem with bipolar too, so I enjoy the hypermania, but then you what comes with it, um, which is a bit different than bipolar one, is the long bouts of depression. So for, you know, approximately three months a year, you know, it might be two six week periods, something like that, I'll be up, I'm mm. high as a kite, I can get a lot of stuff done. But then the depression comes in and that just that just stays as a black dog for a, a very so long time. So is that depression coming in, mm. where, like, because obviously you've indulged in alcohol and drugs, right, drugs and, and, and different alcohol, things like right, this. That's right. Pot. Yeah. Do you find that when you're hyper, mm. how does the drugs and the alcohol affect you as compared to if you're in a, a low sort of point? Uh, look, I think, well, I've, I've also had so, you know, I've, I've been, uh, my history is quite sort of extensive with drugs and alcohol. I started using drugs and alcohol at a very young age. I was 12. You know, by the time I was 13, I was pretty much took everything but heroin. Uh, then I became a heroin addict in my, uh, around 18, 19, mm. which I struggled with uh, for a number of years. I got clean off that in, uh, when I was 28. Did you ever OD? I OD quite a few times. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah I got woken up, uh, well a couple of times had a horrible incident uh, at my parents' house where I'm only alive because I broke the coffee table with my head. Uh, woke up on the streets of King's Cross with my dog in the car shaking and I'd been revived on the side of the streets in King's Cross. Um, it was it was a very interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, uh, it was a very intense part of my life. Not, not that I regret it. You know, I think for me, uh, my experience with my life. So after that, you know, to get to just, um, I tried to. I, I wasn't happy being a junkie. It didn't suit me. It went against my moral coding. Uh, yeah. The problem with uh, heroin addiction, which to be honest, compared to the ice uh, pandemic that's happening now, I prefer. Have you done the ice? It's not my drug. Yeah. So my nature seems to be more um, attracted to the depressant type drugs. They have, with my chemical style, the downers make me up. Okay. Uh, the uppers kind of make me a bit down. So, so. alcohol, you're feeling good. Alcohol, you I feel, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Pot, you're feeling great. Uh, pot, I feel good. Yeah. Uh, ketamine, I feel good. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've pretty much tried it all. Yeah. As far as... Um, so yeah, so that was a big part. But then, I, then after doing a number of rehabs and relapsing a number of times, I managed to um, get and stay clean for 13 years. So I was abstinent for 13 years. I think when we first met. So what, um, go, what goes through? Yeah, when we first met. Yeah, you were. I was abstinent. I was, you were, I was, you were yeah, clean. I yeah. was clean. I was part of a Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and that was a big part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you actually, I, I just want to go back to the overdose. Yeah, like when yeah. when when you have an overdose, because it's mm. it's probably strange to many people. I mm. mean, many people have been, many people have been drunk and passed out, mm -hmm. or mm. you know, you've had too much pot and you've greened out. Yeah. You know, but that's not the same as ODing and, and well, being I, on your deathbed. Well, I mean, I, I, I OD'd, um, when, when we spoke about it, I probably OD'd a lot more times, it just happened, because I used a lot by myself. Yeah. Um, so it just ha happened those particular times, I was resuscitated by the ambulance, where they give you what's called Narcan. Um, <clears throat> is it like they inject it into you or something? They inject it into you and you're instantly taken is, into... is that sort of the, uh, do you remember Pulp Fiction when she shoved it? Basically, yeah, I mean, don't, like don't, don't put it in your heart. Yeah. Because um, that yeah. was adrenaline, I think. Uh, that was adrenaline yeah. that pumped the system. But it's like that. You wake up, your high's gone, you're fucking pissed off, you're angry. Come out angry, fight. You come out angry, you want to get on again because yeah. they've, they've basically taken the opiates from your system. See, that's that's very similar when um, when someone gets choked out. Like if someone's in a fight mm. and they get choked out mm. or, or, you know, like uh, rendered unconscious through yeah. um, having the blood stopped flowing through the brain. Yeah. 
many times, mm. most times uh, they'll wake up very angry, like they're fine and they've just come up fighting. Well, you're disorientated. I think it's mm. a, bit, a little bit different with, um, with heroin because you're specifically, you know, when you're, when you're a junkie, you're craving that feeling of being high. So you've been taken out away from your high. Mm, yeah. I mean, I've been knocked out before and I actually quite like that sort of... Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a euphoric I, It's very it's beautiful, I find yeah. it very... But it's not like that when you're, okay. when you're on the gear. Okay. Um, <laughs> Damn, okay, I won't yeah, try. Yeah, no, no, don't, don't, don't give that a go. What, was, what was it like the first time you tried heroin? Uh, look, it was interesting. I mean, I've, uh, the story of how I tried... So it was a pandemic in the 90s. Everyone yep. was using heroin, so it... it uh, I covered, wasn't. Where was I? Yeah, well, you weren't in the cool, cool Jeez. group. Well, I actually used it. I mean, it's a funny story. I, I, I you know, I've been taking drugs for many, many years, and um, an article came out in the Sydney Morning Herald, and it was, it was, I think it was, must have been done by the mob. It was, it was, a story was, basically, it was a, a, a huge expose on heroin, um, talking about the myths and the realities of heroin, and, and it interviewed doctors and lawyers that use uh, occasionally, and also prostitutes and people that were junkies on the streets. Yep. But it gave you this broad sort of view that it wasn't just who you think. It is everybody's it's doing. It's very that. widespread, isn't it? It was. It was huge. Every demographic was using mm. it in those days. It also went as far as to tell you where to get it from. <laughs> it, it, it said Cabramatta. It told you the street, who to look for, wow. how to get it, where to get your needles from. Um, so it was basically like a catalogue of this is where you. Wow. So my friend Lee McGuinness. Sorry, Lee. I shouldn't shouldn't say your last name. Just Lee. Uh, and I looked at the article, handed it to each other, and, and drove out to Cabramatta from Leichhardt. Got on, went home. Um, Did you do it out there or you waited till you got No, home? no. At that stage, I waited. And for the first uh, year or so when I was using, I used to wait till I got home. Yeah. So I used to get on from my dealer and wait till I got home. It was very ritualised, very ritualistic experience. Yeah. Um, by that time, I had a partner. Make, making sure you, it was all set up. Oh, and... it was beautiful. It was a very yep. lovely... It, it, I mean, it's a lovely experience. I can't... I, mm. I still think about it. It was yeah. a very... It was like uh, being in your mother's womb almost when you... Well, when isn't that very reminiscent of what the um, opium dens were like back it's in... very much the same. You know, that... They were all about having this beautiful, um, beautiful atmosphere around you. You it's, had cushions, you euphoric. had lounges. It's and, euphoric. It's, it's, about, yeah. it's about. But then, then very quickly after that, you it get just the monkey became, in your back. Yeah. You get the monkey, and it's it's something that unless you've been there, a lot of people will say, "Yes, I'm an addict. I've got a coffee addiction, or I eat too much chocolate, or I yeah. struggle with food, <laughs> or even nicotine." Yeah. Um, and to be honest, nicotine was actually harder for me to give up than than heroin. Um, but there's something specifically for me with heroin that it calls you, it screams to you, it, it demands you. It, 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 mm. it um, as I said, I, I, I didn't lose. So the thing I see the difference with ice and heroin was ice, you actually lose your moral bearings. Okay. It does something to your brain that you are no longer you. Mm. Um, where heroin, I was very much me. And I had to, to um, I was what mainly, I was what was called a toaster hocker. Um, so What's I, that? a toaster hocker was somebody that uh, I'm a shit drug dealer. Like I'm just I've never been. I, I'm a businessman. I'm an entrepreneur, but I can't fucking deal drugs. Um, so I basically was just getting enough to be normal every day. Yep. So you know I'd just steal a little bit. You know I'd, when I was working, I'd steal all the tips, or I'd steal from the till, or I'd steal from my parents' house. Just enough to get your fix. To get my fix. Mm. Not ever really get that stoned where I was fucking really nodding off where I wanted to be, just enough to cope every day. Yeah. Um, but look, as I said, it was a, I, I, I got to, um, you know, I travelled the world as a heroin addict. Um, I used were you, all Were you getting world. it overseas? Everywhere I went. Asian countries? Everywhere. I didn't go to the Asian countries then. I was mainly, I spent a year and a bit in Israel. Yeah. Uh, I went, I used is it, Greece. Is it readily available in Israel? It was, it was interesting in Israel. So compared to Australia, as I said, it was, it was a pandemic then. 
Um, the, the, it, was, it hit every socioeconomic uh, part of Australia. In Israel at that time, it was very much an underground drug. Um, I used, um, I got off basically, got on from the Russian mafia in Israel. I had to go into the territories to get on. I met this uh, amazing transvestite prostitute that took me under her wing and she took me into the, into the territories. Transvestite and, prostitute named Charlie. Yeah, she, lo she loved me. We had a beautiful, um, she was really good to me. I used in these, in Israel they've got these like gigantic, um, in every apartment block they've got bunkers. Um, okay. So I got on from the Russian mafia down deep, like four levels deep in this dark bunker thinking I was going to fucking, I was sure I was going to die. Like it was just a, and that was the thing with heroin. It, nothing mattered but getting on. Mm. So there was nothing that would put, you know, people would go, but you've got this family that love you and you've got these things to live nothing for and you've matters. got all these abilities and you've got all these skills and mm. you're charismatic and da 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 da. Nothing mattered but getting on. Mm. And the, the levels that I and, went and to. And what was the, is it, is it purely just, the feeling you get is it the is it the place it takes you is it just well, the, the numbness that it gives you what is it that is really the the driving factor to make you really want it look in, in hindsight i can see now that you know even from a very young child i've 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 got a duality of a personality. So as, as you know, I can yeah. be very engaging, very charismatic, but I'm also very... Uh, you can be like, I, fuck everyone else. In well, I'm an extroverted introvert, yeah, yeah. you know, and I really, um, I, I love other people deeply, but I also struggle energetically mm. taking on a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, I think I come from, you know, um, you know, I love my parents, but you know, they've got their issues. I come from a Holocaust surviving family. I've got, I've got a story mm. with feeling too much. I feel and I always have since I was, I've, been, I've been hypersensitive mm. since I was very young. Um, so I think, you know, when I started on drugs, it was very much about escapism. Yeah. It was very much. And also I'm somebody that loves to explore. I still want to taste and feel. I wish I was gayer. I know it's sort of a, a, yeah. a throw off, but I, I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. So when I travel overseas, I want to eat everything that they eat. Yeah. I want to taste and see You want to, you want to try everything in life everything, that there is to try. Everything, yeah, everything in life. So, you know, but I was very young. So I think, you know, for me especially, I was, as I said, you know, I, I got a paralytic when I was 11. So yeah. what was going on? Is there anything that you can relate that was going on in your life when you were 11, 12, 13, when you started really getting into drugs and alcohol that, that made you, what, what were you escaping from? Oh, look, I'm not sure it's, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. As, as I said, I was a very, I was always curious. I was, as a child, I was very curious about pretty much everything. Um, I was, when I was eight years old, and it's funny that I remember, but it's because of this. When I was eight years old, my mother was told I was retarded. Okay. at school so I struggled at school I couldn't read and write and do all the things and in those days dyslexia wasn't really known about mm. um, so she was told by the she was called in and said that they thought now my mother's amazing she didn't she wouldn't you know she wouldn't accept that she she knew I wasn't and she took me to get tested and stuff and it ended up that I was highly dyslexic and so she spent a couple of years with me retraining my brain how to basically overcome something which my brain naturally, we reverse things in our head, we learn differently. So you're seeing letters and numbers back to front? Well, I don't notice it now because she spent two years yep. um, training, tra retraining, like with everything, like what with you yeah. train, you can retrain your mm. mind like you can your muscles and stuff yeah. like that. The neural so pathways, you retrain them. That's yeah. right. So yeah. I, I see how I see, but yeah. now I can reverse it. Yeah. I'm getting to that because I think I, that was time where I felt obviously very different. I was always very different mm. as a kid. I could sort of fit in. I always fitted in, but I have many, many friends, but I don't really... I, I'm kind of a loner in a group, mm. if that makes sense. Well, you've um, got that very... 
I mean, when I first met you, when I first moved to Byron Bay, you mm. were the first person I yeah, met. Yeah, you were I my literally my first friend that. in Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah. And well, you know, you consider me a friend, which is very lovely. Anyway, carry on. And <laughs> you are. You're very engaging. Yes. And we just hit it off straight away. Mm. I like your kooky personality. Yes. You know, I I I love it. You, you. I love the honest discourse we have. Yeah, I, I, I love how too. we can literally talk about any subject, yeah. anything. We can go off on a tangent. Yes. Come back to it. Yeah. And it's like you know, whereas other people I go off on tangents with, and they look at me like, "What, what, what are you? Getting, yes, what are you yeah. doing?" And, and I love that about what? you. I mean, <laughs> for me, tangent is what life is. It's beautiful. You know, I love it. Well, we think we're going down one place. Life, life is a fucking one. Suddenly, big you tangent. drag it in from over there. You drag yeah, it in that, from over there. That's like, what life is. Yeah. Look, a lot of people struggle with that as mm. well, and they would with you as well. People need to finish sentences. Mm. That drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> if we know where we're going. <laughs> yeah. Done with that. I come back to it, or not? <laughs> or not? Or Doesn't not. matter. That's the, but isn't that if the you life? want to come back to it and let me know your thoughts, do it. If right. you don't, you don't. Well, but I mean, isn't that we think in life, and it's important. I think it's essential in life to have purpose and goals. Mm. It's essential, and I'm going this way. Mm. I know what I'm doing with my life. It very rarely ends out exactly how I've envisioned it. You got to be. You got to be ready. You move to, forward, yeah. and then you go fucking sideways, yeah. and this way, and that way. It's like when you go when you go travelling with people, and. They've got their agenda oh, and they man. have to stick to man. that. It has to man. be that agenda. Uh, hence, I travel by my fucking self. <laughs> you know, hence, I travel by myself. You want to be able to go, shit, hey, there's an opportunity. Well, I'm taking right. that one. I generally go left. If I don't yep. know what to do when I'm traveling or I want to do things, I, I literally I go left. Go left. If yep. in doubt, go left. Yep. Uh, it's been a motto of mine for many, many years. Yep. Um, but so getting back, so that, but that was, so that's, uh, you know, like with everything in life, I, be, I believe in life, everything has a cost. So you've got to pay the piper. Yep. So one of the things I, I love being sensitive. I love really feeling into people and mm. really being able to connect deeply. Mm. The disadvantage with that is I also feel a lot from mm. them and yep. I take on a lot of their, yep. their pain. I feel a lot of helplessness, hopelessness with what I see in the world. Do you feel like you take on sometimes, because I know I do this, mm. I, I sometimes, I might take on what someone says probably a bit too sensitive yeah. and, I've, and later on I find out I've actually taken it the wrong way. That they've taken it the no, wrong way. No, I've taken it the wrong way. Like I've I've maybe been a bit too sensitive to the fact and taken it a bit too personal. Yeah. Like I find that's a problem with me, and and it's something that I've tried to address over the years. Don't take are you, stuff are you, so personally. Are you talking about when someone directs something at you though? Yeah, I, or maybe they do something or don't do something, and I take a bit of offence to it, or take a bit of yeah. Why did you do that for, or why did you not do that? And so, so my sensitivities, I guess, what I was talking about is more so that their pain. Mm. So you know, as you know, I ran a shop for many years, and and it, it was amazing. It was almost on a daily basis that I'd hear people's grievances as mm. far as death in the family, problems with their children, problems. Mm. I've got a, something about me that brings out, well, I'm interested. Mm. I ask the questions. Yeah, you're interested. You, uh, you're, I, 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 I said, ask the questions engaging. that people don't ask. Yeah. Um, and you, you truly come across as wanting to know what, what gen- that person well, is genu- talking about. I yeah. genuinely do, and I, because mm. I find I've got the ability to do it. So I think, mm. you know, culturally where, you know, I think I, I've been fascinated with going, you know, tangents, but um, I mean, I was fascinated for many years about this this thing that we've seen on television and the media about the are you okay? It started off as an are you okay day, yeah. Yeah. which drove me fucking nuts. What, the 364, yeah. I don't really give a shit this yeah, day today, is yeah. are you okay? Yeah. I actually just noticed recently in the media that they've taken it one step further because I thought, okay, so you ask someone, are you okay? We're not really trained in our culture to take it any deeper than that. Mm. If we, we say these words, I read an article recently, that the three worst words in our culture is, how you going? Mm. It doesn't really fucking mean anything. We don't say it well, with it, any real depth. Well, it now really 
in our culture, I think, how you going really means hello. Well, that's right. So it's three useless words. It doesn't yeah. really mean anything. And the general response for it is okay, mm. which I don't like either. Okay mm. is between shit and good. I don't yeah. think okay is anywhere yeah. for me. Um, what I've noticed recently, though, is it's going, well, if you really do want to take this seriously, what do you do after someone says no? Mm. So I think people are shocked when people say, mm. well, actually, I'm not okay. Mm. Since I was very young, for some reason, I'm able to go there. Mm. I'm really able to go there with people. The issue with me, though, is I don't let that go. So if people tell me something that is, is painful in their experience in life, I take that stuff on and mm. I think about them. It, it actually burdens me. Yeah, okay. um, hence, I've never got involved in the field of psychology or therapy or anything yep. like that. You know, I do what I do. Um, but I think that very much, and, and you know... Um, I but I think that's... In, like, I think that's important. Like what you said about asking, "Are you okay?" Mm. is being ready for an answer in the negative. Well, that's being, if you can handle it. If you it, can though. handle it, but you've got to be able to handle it. But I think, as friends, as part of the human society, mm. we need to be more ready for it. This is something they don't teach us in school. Well, that's, we've, we've got to become more ready to be more compassionate and empathetic ideally, towards what people are saying. Ideally, yes, I mean, that is the goal. But I mean, look, without being too uh, negative on what I see in the world, I think we're actually going the other way. You know, I think as a concept, it's very lovely. But I think the, where we sit, you know, it's very easy to sit here in the Shire and believe that the world behaves in a certain way and the mm. good intention is there. Um, but I, I know, I got told by my, my mother the other day, she, in a text that, I live in a pretend world. Well, we do. We live in Byron Shire. Don't start me on that. No, no, well, we do. I mean, we live in a very, you know, and don't get me wrong, this has got a, the other side to it. There's a lot of people here with the intention, mm. which is lovely. So you have to first of obviously start with the intention. Mm. Um, I think, but some people just are naturally inclined to be better at that style of caregiving. Mm. I'm, you know, it's just an asset that I've got. That's all I can do is I can listen, I can ask the questions. Mm. You know, most people don't know, even know what the questions are to ask somebody, mm. especially around things like grief, death, mm. things like that, problems with well, children. We, I think death, grief, um, suicide, mm. you, know, um, you know, I've got friends where their kids have committed suicide. Mm. I've got friends where their kids are going through some, you know, terrible pangs of, you know, teenage life and mm. what that entails with yeah. you know cutting and yeah, yeah. Um, anorexia and, yeah. and all this sort of stuff yep. but my way I mean for me what I try and do is is just be honest and open and ask quick like mm. I, I don't know shit about this mm. but I actually I can feel for them well that's right you, you, can, you can, well, you, I, I don't think any two pains are ever the same so mm. we can we can't ever you can't know exactly No, we're different. We've grown up differently. We're mm. socially, culturally different. Mm. But I believe that you can use your experience of your own pain. Mm. I, we've got to be careful, obviously, with what we also say to people. A lot of the time it's just listening to them mm. and, and leading them on with their questions. Getting back to being a, a junkie, though, this is why, and I know it sounds crazy, I am grateful for being a junkie. Mm. Uh, for me, what it created in me was the ability to true empathy for others. The mm. pain that I saw, the death that I experienced, the death of others, the death mm. of myself, the going against my moral coding, the, the you know, all those things. So when we, I, I'm fairly, I can be a very, as you know, a judgmental person in certain areas of mm. my life, but when it comes to making mistakes for people, 
I'm very, because of my experience, I go, what the fuck am I, you know? Mm. I live in a fucking pretty uh, glassy style house. Um, You know, rock throwing is not a safe idea for me. Mm. Um, So through my experiences, through what I've seen, what I've done, um, it's very hard for me to sit in judgment of others for their particular behaviors. You know, we are not our behaviors. And what I've so been what, what, so what are you getting? Because I know you are, you do get judgmental. Oh, I've seen it. No, no, no. I'm completely yeah. judgmental of lots of lots of yeah. things. So t- tell me, some, tell me some of the things you're judgmental of. Because you're not judgmental of people's faults in the way of like. I'm not judgmental where other people. I'm fucking judgmental. I'll tell you where I'm fucking judgmental. I was, I was the other day, right? Yeah. I, I was in the fucking relaxing in a fucking park in beautiful Brunswick Heads. You weren't now, drunk. You weren't smacked no, out. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think I'd had a. I think I'm, I might have had a bit of a spliff that day, but nothing. Yeah. I, was, I, was, yeah. I was. I was me. You know, I wasn't happy or unhappy. I was fucking. You're okay. I was. I was, I was okay. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, and some a little fucking kid, very cute little eight year old kid, is playing violin with a hat in front of them. Yeah. It bothered the fuck out of me and I judged the shit out of the parents. Now that sounds wrong, right? Now, no, but you know what I mean? So, so you're killing me. No, no, and this is the thing. So I can't yeah. even discuss it with yeah. most people because it makes me look wrong. But yeah. the reality is, right, so I believe we live in this world where we're teaching our kids that they're special when they're not. Mm. You know, give your kids, when they do something that's unusually mm. special or, I love my kids, mm. But when they're practicing violin, I'm not going to fucking put them on the... I mean, it's a horrible yeah. sound. Until he gets to a certain level. Until he gets to a certain <laughs> level. Why? And, and encouraging them by putting money in yeah. gives a false... That sort of shit I'm yeah. judgmental about. I know, because I remember you telling me about the kids, like, when, you know, you, you got three boys and yeah. you wrestle with your boys. Yeah, yeah. You never let them win. Well, not unless they can win. Not unless they can win. So it's like, no, you don't... I'm not going to pretend you beat me until you beat me. I don't... Look, I, well, because I think that's got to do with me. Yeah. I've always been able to sense falsehoods in life. Yeah. So if something doesn't ring true, and it's like with people. So I very much read people. It's something through uh, my nature from a very young age, I read people. If their mouth and their eyes don't connect, I don't connect. Yeah. You know, so I'm very... I'm always sensing on people. So I find, for me personally, whether it's right or wrong, for my you children... You said right or wrong. Right or wrong, I do. Thank you for, thanks for picking up on that. I thought I got away with it. Um, so but for me, it's, it's, a, it's a false... Uh, it's false. It's not real. Yeah. You know, I want to teach my children chess. Yeah. The way that they get better is not to... Yeah, I don't, that's my, I'm not saying I'm right. This is my particular kids. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I tell my kids all the time, look, most parents save for university. I, I, I'm saving for therapy, mm. um, <laughs> you know, for my kids. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, that's too I, good. I, I wish I wasn't yeah. there now. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you're, you'd be anti all kids getting a ribbon for competing in a race. I think it's fucking ridiculous. And that, my kid, yeah. how, do you, how do you feel about yeah, it? No, I don't, I'm not a, look, I don't think, we should be promoting participation. No. But at the same time, look, it's a, it's no, a No, we should be encouraging participation. Encouraging participation. But also, I, I don't like over-rewarding of kids that do amazing either. Like, you know, like on the opposite end where, yes, I think, hey, you come first, second, third, fantastic, that's great. But I don't want to see, I, I hate it when kids and it goes into the adults as well, then they end up gloating over it. Of it course. becomes too... It's a very hard... But look, I think, you know, I, th- I was listening to a podcast the other day. I was talking about, you know, when you win, celebrate for a day, and when you lose, uh, commiserate for mm. a day. Yeah, I like that. You know, yeah. you, so you sort of, you don't take any... You take it all in your, in your stride. Yeah. I, I think it's a We've little... got to teach kids that sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I, I believe you've got to teach kids in, in, in knowing what they are. I mm. think the problem within a society... So look, I struggle in Australia. I, str- I struggle with Australian culture, but Americans go exactly the opposite way. Mm. I don't like the tall poppy syndrome 
that we have here. I think yep. we should encourage people to be the best of what they can be. Yep. Don't be what you're not, yep. but if you're good at something, encourage yep. it, recognize it. Um, and if you're not good, recognize it, encourage it. If you want to participate, practice and get better. I mean, most things in life, if you want to get better at it. You can. You can, if that's your cho choice and your yep. focus. Um, but to falsely recognize abilities that your children don't have is putting them in a state of disillusion. Mm. The reality in, in life is we are a competitive species. I believe all people are mm. competitive by their very nature, so I don't think we can mm. dismiss that as, a, as the reality. And, and competition creates opportunities. Competition creates invention. Competition creates... Yeah, competition uh, just is. I mean, it's, Darwin, it is. it's basic Darwinian... Uh, so competition for me is more about... I love Charles Darwin's concept of survival of the fittest. So mm. most people have got it a little bit wrong. So what he talks about is it's not the, it's not the strongest nor the smartest that survive but those most able to adapt. Mm. So the ability to adapt is recognising what your particular skill sets mm. are, what you particularly have, which makes you different than everybody else. Mm. So I don't believe we are all the same. Right. And this is what has often, you know, getting back to feeling separated from the world, is very much people, uh, by their very necessity, and I see it culturally why, why we're required to do it, is I belong to something, therefore all my thought patterns should belong to what other people think within that group. Well, that's, that's the problem, with, and that's what's led to all this tribalism and, and people... Which is, which is necessary for mm. the majority of people. For mm. society to exist, the majority of people must think in a very similar way. Mm. Luckily, is there certain people within society that think differently. Mm, think so, outside that. But we need that. We need actually both. So yeah. you need How are you part of a group if you don't believe the same thing that the group yeah. thinks? But which leads me back to where I've always felt different. Mm. So I can be part of any group, and as you know, mm. I don't conform, yeah. I don't agree, or, you know, I will very much be, uh, I, I, I say what I think, yeah. which... And that gets you in trouble sometimes. It gets me in a fucking shitload <laughs> of trouble. And, but it also brings gifts beyond measure. Yeah. It also makes me meet people like yourself, you know, that, are, that have got something that I, that I find attractive. Yeah. You obviously like that as a trait in a character. Yeah. You know? Do you find that you were getting more in trouble with your thoughts and your mouth when you were... At, on your high with your bipolar or when you're low? Well, when, I, when I'm low, I'm very reserved. So, right. you know, most people don't see, um, they might see me, especially the having the big fish was a little bit different, which was the shop I had. Um, I sort of treated it, as you saw, in a very, uh, I had a policy that the customer was never right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so it was very refreshing. So I wouldn't, when I'm depressed, I just don't give much away. Yeah. I'm very insular. I mean, you've seen mm, me when I'm yeah. flat. I don't, yeah. I don't, um, so yeah. Well, you don't call me. I'll have to chase you on the phone. Like and, and even then I don't answer the phone you don't call. The phone. Um, you know, I'm very, I'm very restricted in my, yeah. how much energy I can put out. I've just got nothing to mm. give when I'm high. Oh my God, I get in, in trouble, you know. Mm. Um, I, you know the you've got the ideas the newspaper, flowing, you've got the ideas the... flowing, and, and I confront mm. things that I don't like. Were you finishing stuff when you're on that sort of manic state, or were you just sort of coming up with stuff and starting it, but were you, Look, were you following through? I, I don't necessarily believe in always finishing anything. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> um, you know, I think it's important to finish. Well, nothing is ever really truly finished. Yeah, so true. when it comes to things like, I might have a hundred business ideas. Mm. It's how my mind works. I've, I've got, got a folder a, of them. Yeah, which is fantastic. Last night I wrote down 20 ideas. Mm. That's great. And from that I'll go, you know, I might pick one, I might pick none. Mm. So I, I, that's how my 
brain works. I enjoy coming up with the concepts. I can love it. Yeah. No, that's what I love about business. Business yeah. is all about the setting up of it. I yeah. love it. The marketing, the branding, the setting yeah. it up, the how, can actually it, doing the business. Oh, I love it. It's just work. <laughs> then that becomes work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, life's been a life's been a, as with my uh, as you spoke about tangent conversation. I believe my life has been like that. Mm. You know, I think it's look. I think it's beautiful. I like living like that. And I'm, sh- I'm sure you like living like that. I can only live like that. I couldn't imagine being on this one. I'm the same with my work. I, I do similar I with my say, work. I, I, I have a bit of job here, a yeah, bit yeah. of work here. I do yeah, a little yeah. bit of that and a little bit of that. I'm and open to anything at any open time. To anything. If something say. else comes up, we'll go. Right. Oh, I'll try that for yeah. a while. But but that but what comes with that? So that obviously shows your nature. What comes to that is risk. So what most people seek in life by their very necessity is security. security. Yeah. And we've been taught that from a very young age. Oh, um, okay. I've been blessed, and obviously you are as well. That somehow I've always felt that I'm going to be okay. Mm. See, I I've you know as I've gotten older and, and you know obviously I've got the ability to reflect is I can live on the streets and I can live in a penthouse. Mm. Both the same, you know, the joy is not obtained. Uh, you know, I was lucky that I grew up in sort of a, I'd call an upper middle class in the eastern suburbs of mm. Sydney. And I saw a lot of wealth around me. I didn't see any more happiness attained. I've seen more happiness in a chai waller Mm. In the middle of fucking bumfuck nowhere in It'll India, what? chai waller. Like chai the, a chai waller is the guys that make chai on the side of the streets in India. Okay. Um, I love India. Never so been made, to India. Oh my god. I don't want to get diarrhea. Oh, my, well, get diarrhea. Whatever. What you don't want to experience life because of the fear of getting diarrhea. What are you going to do? What you don't. Want, I don't want to get cancer. <laughs> my ass but I'm not going to. My ass will be burning for three weeks oh, while I'm trying. Mate, to... mate, well, that's how you. Don't tell me that's how you live your life. You no, can't live your life like that. <laughs> you can't live your life like that. I'm not, I'm not inspired to go to India. Oh my. God, my friend, the, the, for me, I've travelled fairly, I've been blessed to travel fairly extensively. I'll tell you what pisses me off so, about me, people who always want to go to India and talk about... So it feels oh, cliche fucking, for you. Fucking India. Yeah. It's like a lot of people want to <laughs> go... It's my favourite place in India. No offence yeah, yeah. to anyone who wants to, to go to India. To the 1.7 billion Indians out there. It's just, I find... What, what gets a bit annoying mm. is that everyone thinks that they've got to find spirituality by going to India. No, but that's the thing. So I've, I've travelled extensively. You get something from, from every place I get something. Yeah. India for me is 50 different countries. I have countries. to do yoga no, in no, India. No, no, well, that's right. No, I went to Rishikesh. It was annoying as fuck. It was Mullumbimbi on fucking steroids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just saw... But like with this particular area that you've chosen to live, there's a lot of people with the intention. So mm. their intention is there. But they don't have, uh, luckily or unluckily for them, they don't have the thing of their uniqueness. So mm. where they get their thing is, what are you doing, India? Mm. But for me, India is a very personalised experience. Mm. There's 50 different countries. I don't hang out with Westerners. I take my children there when they're 13. I call it their, my kids aren't Jewish, I'm Jewish. So when they're 13, I call it their bar mitzvah. Yep. And I take them to India. So like a coming of age. It's a full yeah. of the bar mitzvah is a coming of yeah. age. And... Um, how and, does that work with mm, with, with Jewish? Is yeah. like if, if okay, your so father's only, Jewish, you're not that's Jewish. That's right. Which is actually quite an interesting. It's the only religion that does it, and the reason is so if your you have your mother has to be Jewish to be Jewish. Wow. Um, it would make sense when you think about it. So you know, throughout ages, when they have wars and things, rape and pillaging is part of the war. So you don't necessarily know who your father is, but you'll always know who your mother is. So being Jewish is a it's a very interesting thing. So people think of it as a religion, but that's only one aspect of being that's Jewish. It's more of a culture, isn't it? It's a culture. It's a religion. And it's, it's a race of people. I've got a lot of Jewish mates. Mm. Israeli Some of my mates. best friends are Jewish. Yeah, I've got yeah. a lot of Israeli mates. <laughs> yeah. that, yes, they they 
they're not religious no. as like what you would think as a religious person, no. but they'll still they'll still um, they'll still go and practice it like you know is well, it no. Om, Om, Yom, Yom Kippur, Yom which Kippur is coming up. And, but you don't even have to do that. So it's it's pretty much the only. So a, a Catholic wouldn't call themselves Catholic if they don't go to church or practice any of the things. A Muslim wouldn't call themselves no. a Muslim if they didn't practice certain but things. A, Jewish, a Jew is a Jew. When yeah. we, when we're born, we're born Jewish from our mother, mm. and throughout life we are. And the funny thing is. Wherever you go in the world, so Jews are made up of people from every race. Mm. So there's Ashkenazi and there's Sephardic, Ashkenazi European, Sephardic, the Middle Eastern, mm. and all those sort of countries. Pretty much whenever I've traveled, there is a cultural, as you'd probably be aware if you know quite a few, there's something, something about mm. us all, don't you, that, that yeah. is a similar trait. Do you yeah, find absolutely, that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that is because I think it goes back to this thing that has been, there's only, we're 0.2% of the global population. That's it. Mm. In Australia, we're 0.4% of the population. Okay, so we're, we're represented more in Australia. Uh, than the globe, yeah, of course. So okay. in America, I think something like 4%. There is only, uh, for the amount of attention that we get as a people, mm. there is, uh, I think we've just reached, I think the 16 million mark. Mm. Um, as numbers, we, we've just hit the same number uh, post World War Two. After they killed six million Jews, mm. we've only just reached the same number that we were okay. post World War Two. Mm. Um, so you can't just become a Jew. Yeah. It's, a, it's a process. It's, yeah. a, it's a three year. Even if you, because I, I got a friend, or friends, they got married. Mm. So he was Jewish. She yes. wasn't. Yeah. So you can convert, but it takes about three years. It takes it's three a long years. time to convert, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's three years. It's so like it's, a, it's like a bloody university degree. Well, it's even more like it's, it's, it's hardcore. And if, you, if you're going to do it, they come around, they spot check. You've got to know, you know more than any Jew about the religion mm. at the end of it. And I kind of like it. It's, it's an exclusive club. There's not many clubs that I want to belong to. <laughs> uh, but again, growing up, you know, I got, I got sent to a Christian boarding school. But tell me, if you that. weren't born a Jew mm. and you married a Jewish lady, my children would be Jewish. Would you change would would you probably go not. through the all no, the stuff not. to become a Jew? Probably not. Yeah. Oh I don't fucking if who fucking knows. I'm yeah, who knows, in but fantasy land if yeah. if you know if, if you're a, on your bipolar high, maybe you'd go, yep. Yeah, but I couldn't do the three years. That's the thing, I hardly finished anything. Speed it up in three months. I can't months. do the three years. No, you can do, you can go to like this temple and get a, but we yeah. don't really recognise that. Surely you that. can buy one on the black market somewhere. Oh, look, for sure. I'm sure someone's peddling it, yeah. but you know. So Cut my foreskin thing. off. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, getting back, you know, I think that the Jewish identity, so I come from a, a Holocaust surviving family um, on both sides, so... Uh, so on my father's side, they came from uh, Europe during the Holocaust. On my mother's side, 50 years before was the before the Holocaust was not, not many people know about the pogroms in Russia. So throughout time, they've killed us off, and it's very much uh, we're a people that that repeat the story. Uh, we repeat the story for, I guess, safety mm. and security. It's it's uh, part of our history, but it's very much to be aware. So I was brought up very much being told that I wasn't safe, mm. that you're never safe. They don't ever trust, really don't trust people mm. because at any time they can turn because that was their, that's yeah. their genetic experience. And mm. it's not once or twice, it's now millennia. It's gone from generation to generation. Generation to yeah. generation and, there, and there's DNA. Mm. And so I was very much aware of that. So, you know, living in a, in a, in a, in a, in a knowledge. So I think I very much feel the pain of that yeah. from a very young child. But living with that, <clears throat> living with being told that it's not safe, mm. that's got us obviously on some sort of level just put this element of fear of course. throughout you know, no, without a doubt. Constantly. No, no, throughout a doubt. And I think, uh, I think my life has been based around living, feeling that fear and living against mm. it. 
Um, I think that's what's made me, you know, I'm talking about being very hypersensitive with people. Mm. I think is to recognise is somebody safe or not. Mm. Um, most people wouldn't see it in me, but I think I'm a very fight, you know, most people have fight or flight. Mm. My flight is also fight, as you know. Yeah. You know, so it's, I'm very much a... Uh, uh, ready to spring into action at any time. Yeah. But I was brought up with, you know, books as a very young age. I remember my earliest memories is being told that these bodies of people in these books is my family. Mm. Um, so, and at that stage it was, you know, I grew up with a grandmother with, um, uh, it was my, 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 it was a very strange story. It was my, my father's brother's who died's wife he married anyway and but yeah lost me. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I lost myself <laughs> um but with the stamps so you know i grew up with people oh, with the okay. with the, yeah. with the tattoos tell, tell me about those arm. stamps so the tattoos when you went when you got to auschwitz or birkenau or any of the camps yep. you were tattooed with your number um, life meant nothing jews meant nothing so yeah. that was their that was their number and and so you see a lot wow, of wow that that is being a number not a name isn't it that's oh, 100 yeah. your identity was taken immediately mm. um so, you know, I've always been fascinated by it, but also bring, it's brought up a lot of, I think that was part of my hypersensitivity is being told you're not safe, basically. Yeah. Um, so, with, with your addiction mm. and being a dad, yes. you've got three boys. Yes. How, how has that played out? Has, I mean, it, it must... It, like with my it, fears with them, with, are you talking about? Well, on, on a few different levels. On mm. your fears with them, mm -hmm. on being around them, in your times of mania, when mm -hmm. you've been high and when mm -hmm. you've been low, mm -hmm. it must be very, very unsettling for them. Uh, yeah, look, I think, look, I'm blessed. I've got, I've got I, I love my kids. They're three unique beings. Um, I, to the best of my ability and depending obviously on their age, um, so, you know, my youngest is eight, then I've got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. So depending on their age is how much information I can share with them and what yeah. I share yeah, with them. Yeah, of course, them. yeah. Um, I try pretty much to live a very honest relationship with them. Uh, so, so my oldest so boy, they, they know you've, you've, they uh, know your drug history. Uh, only my oldest boy, I only told recently. So it was a situation. Uh, you know, you would have seen me. I don't know if you saw me at the start of this this fucking pandemic or what. You know, this um, Corona stuff is that I probably had the highest. Uh, hypermanic episode I ever experienced. I really freaked out. I thought it was the end of the world. I, you know, there was no food on the shelves. I, you know, so I you really believe we're going into Armageddon? Sort of I thing. thought that it could go either way. Yeah. You know, I was seeing, so I was seeing people dobbing each other did in. Did you buy toilet paper? Uh, no. Well, I, I, yes, I did. I was. A, I, I <laughs> was, was you. No, 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 no. Well, I was a hoarder, right? Yeah. Because I got three kids and I was worried, and there was no flour on the shelves. There were no potatoes. So, I, mm. but I wouldn't do it in one shop. So I went around and I bought from multiple. So I'd spend a day from Ballin and the Tweetheads, yep. spending a few hundred dollars. Stocking up with whatever the fuck I went, yeah. not just for me, but for my community as well. See, I was totally opposite. I didn't. I just went. No, most of the people I'm just living normal. Yeah, but so I went. Okay, fucking because of my history and because mm. of my story and because of my fears and the, the basic distrust of what happens to people. So I don't think the Holocaust. We you know we can see, especially being Jewish, is we focus on that. But the Holocaust isn't the only time it happened. There's Rwanda. Mm. There's Croatia. We all have the ability, and what I've seen here is the ability, especially when you live in fear, is the ability, like, we all think that uh, the Japanese could just become murderers, but we deal with them now. The Germans mm. could do what they did. Mm. We are all capable of that if the fear is great, great enough. And fear, unfortunately, seems to be the driving force with most people. Mm. And fear can make you do things that you would not think you're capable of. Mm. So when I saw uh, riot police in Brunswick Heads at 6.30 in the morning stopping fights outside Centrelink, when I went to the shops and there was no flour, 
There was no pasta. There were no. You, sh you would have seen it. There was no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you couldn't get anything. At, at the time, the the stock exchange, the the finance market was saying they were limiting stock. So I believe that money would come very quickly, which we've seen in then the world talked, after that. Then they talked about buddy getting rid of cash. Well, um, no, and and they're currently doing yeah, that. Yeah, still doing. So I went. Okay, it could it, more than could likely go. it won't go that way. Mm. But if it does, I, with my history, so uh, you know, very much was told that that you know most of my dad's family was wiped out, and that happened. The Jews, when this started happening in Germany, it didn't start with the concentration camps. Mm. The concentration camps was the end result. Mm. It started with people changing their behaviours, becoming uh, the judge and juries for the the system. They would be the ones that dob you in. I was seeing literally. I don't know if you saw them. The giant signs saying. Uh, dob your neighbours in, dob people yeah, in. Did, did you see those signs? I, heard, I didn't see them. People I heard were getting about abused with Queensland number plates when they were here. I had friends that were being abused. I had a Spanish friend that's lived here 20 years told, go back where you came from. Yeah. And this was in the first couple of weeks. Mm. So I was seeing this, recognising... People got really horrible towards each other, didn't they? Here in the Shire. This, mm. it, it was everywhere. Well, that's only what we knew, but I think it was happening everywhere. No, from, it's happening. You know? it's still happening now. Yeah. And we're looking very much for somebody to People are abusing people if they're not wearing a mask in it, certain places. Well, in Mullumbimby, they abuse you for wearing a mask, literally. Okay, people yeah. are getting abused for wearing a mask because yeah. they're fear-mongering. Yeah. So th but this is the thing. So people have the... We all have the ability to act against our... Mm. So I, yeah, I freaked out. I was having a high... I, you know, I just finished the shop. I was meant to be travelling. I mm. had all this thing. Um, I wasn't allowed to travel. My passport means nothing anymore. I'm looking at my three children, going, if I can't have pasta on the shelves. So I, you know, look, I upset a lot of people. I rang, I was ringing, I was up all night long. One of the things with hypermania is you don't need to sleep much. I was getting yeah. three hours a night, teaching myself martial arts. Yeah. Um, got CB radios, the kids now know the phonetic alphabet. I took Digging your own bunker. Yeah, look, and I scared everybody. Um, in hindsight, I actually enjoyed it. Um, part of me was a little bit disappointed when I didn't go to get to bug out into the, you know, I had this whole community. So, so I was do going you to go. feel now in hindsight, mm. looking back on how you reacted, do you feel like you overreacted? I feel like I, um, I felt, I feel like I could have been a lot more gentle with others. I feel like I didn't overreact. Yeah. I don't believe there's underreacting. I don't believe when things happen, they happen, well, they happen very quickly. Yeah. So what I was seeing, Yes, it wasn't happening yet. The chances were like with everything. Who would have predicted anything mm. in society happens? It just mm. happens when it happens. The, as I said, from the history that I've got, it's very much in my mind that you can't do something too late. Mm. You know, I was reading a beautiful book by Arn Doe, I think his name is, you know, the, yeah, the comedian. comedian yeah. He's a beautiful book. Kids book. He no, no, kids. So it was about the happiest refugee, it's called. Okay. Oh, that's and, he, right, yes. and his father speaks about there's only two times in life. There's now or there's too late. Mm. So I, what I was looking at was a system that was breaking down, people that didn't have a clue, a government that was unable to handle what was going on, the misinformation continuously, the news was changing every 15 minutes, the, the things that were, you know what I mean? I was mm. seeing people on the street people unable to go home, talking to the soldiers on the streets. So my belief system based on my history was I, was prepared, I would prefer to be prepared for any scenario, being a father and a community member and caring for other people. I would prefer to be the person with too much mm. that I don't need than not having what I needed. Mm. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah. I, it, I, but I, it was I extreme how yeah. I did, did it. So yeah. I took a lot of people offside. Yeah. I ended up not speaking or people didn't speak to me, but I still yeah. kept doing what I was doing. Mm. Um, and mate, it could, it could have, and don't get me wrong, I mean, you, I don't know if you watch the news at all. I, I look, I, I, 
the news. The news is a, is a funny thing to me. I, I, I'm not a big believer in the news in, ha- in its current form well, and I, I how agree, it's presented. And I think it's just, it's just a systematic way of brainwashing us where they're just 100%. giving us the same shit over and over, 24 hours a day. Really, it's, it's, it's certain news groups just present this side of the news, certain yeah. news groups present I, this I, side I of the news. I agree 100%, news. but that's not why I watch the news. No, so I just go, fuck it, I'm not listening to that the, shit. The reason that I watched the news, and especially in those days I was watching, because the news was changing regularly, mm. was not to believe what they said, but to find out the rules and restrictions that were about to be placed upon me. Mm. So, And I was telling other people to do the same thing. So if you don't know what's coming up, how do you go against it? So as you know, I'm somebody that, because of my particular style, like, so I'm dyslexic, I'm not that good at certain things, but I'm good at uh, finding the angles mm. so for me I needed to know what the information that they were putting so out so you can work around it so I work around it mm. so I went you know I was camping with the kids in the national park with mm. the dog I knew what I had to say to the rangers when they came mm. to be allowed to stay there mm. um, I wanted to go my mother was in Sydney at the time we weren't allowed to travel now I didn't my mother I, I, I want to be able to at any time to go and drop everything and go to my mum the current restrictions said I couldn't I started a business purely based on being able to move because mm. I was watching the news. Who could move? Logistics can move. Mm. They're the people that can move. What am I going to do? I'm going to do logistics. So for me, it's essential. It's not about believing what they say because 100% they have an agenda, left or right, depending on who you watch, mm. will get your agenda and will continue to uh, justify your own belief systems. We obviously attracted to mm. the type of things. We and then you're only believe. watching the stuff that perpetuates your That's own right. thoughts and fears. So I try and watch both sides mm. and leave some in. There's truth in all and there's bullshit in mm. all. Um, but I feel it's essential for myself to be informed. The biggest thing that's really sort of affected me, my thoughts on this whole thing is just, yeah, what we said about how crazy people allow their fears to grab a hold of them and yeah. how far it goes. But then not only is that, just, just the pure devastation that's happening to business, oh. to families, oh, society, to relationship, right? yeah. to society, the increase in, in alcohol uptake, oh, suicide. the suicides, the increase yeah. in, in, you know, tying it all back together, the increase in drugs, oh, you know, like it is, it is just the damage we've done to this society yeah, yeah. on a, on a, on that level is just preposterous and it's really... I know, but I, you know, the cost benefit analysis... We're not really going to understand it for a while. I don't think we'll ever understand it. Mm. I've never, I've, I would never call myself a conspiracy theorist, but there's something going on that we're not seeing here. Yeah. Um, the ability to hand over all our civil liberties quite easily and readily, and the majority of the people requesting and, and saying that they're doing it for our own benefit. And then people uh, just... Yeah, happy to go. Yes, I'm happy to hand that over. Well, again, it comes to... Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think this is why religion is so powerful as well. I think as a people, most people, by the very necessity, want to relinquish responsibility. They want to be, contro- they want to be told we what to do. We need to be, yeah. because the ability to do that is then you relinquish your responsibility. That's, well, that's why people... That's why over the last five years or so, personal training has gone through the roof because yes. people want to be told, they want to be shown and told how to train and told, okay, for now, this is what I'm going to tell you to do, you of do course. it. Of yeah, course. Well, well, I mean, that's the number, we want to belong, we want to be part of something, mm. we, we, we want to get fitter and I think that, but that is a good, 
aspect of that character trait it's a good as a human being. It, it, so we have the, yeah. we have the duality in mm, it. So it yeah. depends what drives us. Mm. So that is a, that is a driven to be better than what we are. Mm. I think that's a fantastic way. Mm. Um, but then when you go, even the language that's being used now, the language of social distancing from the very beginning was a horrible idea. It's terrible. Uh, like physical distancing. If that's what they're saying, but it's fucking nuts. All of it's fucking crazy. So we can't socialize, but we can be in Woolworths together. We can touch every item, but they can't pack my bag. Like nothing makes sense. At my boys' school, they have just stopped them singing in a group. <laughs> but they can be in the group. You can be in the group, yeah. but you can't sing in the group. I was just, look, we could go in all day. And this is what I, look, to be honest, it suits me in a way. Look at that rain. Oh, beautiful. I love, it actually suits me. I'm, I, don't get me wrong, it, it's fucking horrible that the, the problems that it's causing breaks my heart. Mm. For me as an individual, because of the way that I've always operated through life, I'm an angle player. Mm. There's so many angles here because no one knows what the fuck they're doing. So I watch the news, I get told what, where the rules are, mm. and then I just tell them what they need to hear all the fucking time. Yeah. I tell you what you need to hear that I can do what the fuck I've got to do. Yeah. Because I don't have a fucking clue. So at the moment, I mean, what job, how's this? A surgeon, a brain surgeon can't cross the fucking border. I can take a couch. Mm. I can take a couch to Queensland, a surgeon can't do brain surgery. Yep. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But this is just an extreme version, I think, of, of how we live on a day-to-day. -day. I think this just highlights how easily we are as people mm. to be not just, manipulators is the wrong Contradictory. word. Contradictory. Do you think so? I think the opposite. I think it very much shows human conditioning. Mm. And why we do what we do. We okay. do what we do. Our basic core is security. I think most people live by their very nature for the, the... Most people are afraid to die. And very much in our culture, we don't deal with death. We don't deal with death. So, that, so I see the issue with not dealing with death and not dealing with the reality of death. I believe we're dying somewhere between not to 100. Our idea is close. Oh, I'm going to live to 120. That's my plan. Oh, fuck, dude. I don't want to live past 80. I don't want really? anyone to clean my ass. It's this thing No, 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 no. I will what? clean my... Unless it's my son. I've told him I changed your nappies and I wiped your butt when you You were would kid. let your son clean your ass? <laughs> Payback, bitch. Oh, yeah, no, fuck that shit. I don't want anyone cleaning my fucking ass. It's a real thing for me. I don't want anyone cleaning my ass. Um, if you've got just if you've got dementia or something, you won't even know about it. Yeah, I mean, to be a burden on others is not something that is definitely a goal. No, that's not a goal no. for me. No, I don't. Um, I don't ever want to. Well, 120. Just be like I'm not sure how. I'm much hoping. Can... Okay, I'm hope. When I say I want to live to 120, yes, that's with a stable mind and body. Right. Which I, I believe is possible. I if you think do it's the definitely right possible. I would love to have the experiences that 120, a person that's 120 can live in a lifetime in the age that I'm meant to live. Yeah. So I think very much if, we, if we're realistic, maybe 120, it could, be, it could be 48 for me. You know, I've had enough through the life that I've lived, I've lost enough people mm. to realize that whatever we think or feel, life fucking happens. You, you die. We're dying. This is part of breath is death. But you know what's funny? I, I, and we spoke about fear a lot. Mm. I believe there's only two real pure emotions. 100%. Love and fear. 100%. And you're either operating out of fear or yes. you're operating out of love. And yes. the problem with this whole COVID-19 and mm. what's been going on mm. is we've, everyone has operated out of fear and it's brought out the worst. I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't use the word everybody. Yes, okay, I'm No, 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 but, I think, no, but, I, no, but I think it's actually important to recognise yeah. that it's also brought out the best. So when, when, when horrible things happen in the world, so this is, this is something unprecedented for our age group. We have not gotten, gone through hmm. wars. We haven't gone through tra tra uh, tragedies. We haven't had 
paradigm shift moments on a global level. Mm. This is a global pandemic where everybody is affected. Mm. Um, so yes, it, the thing it's brought out is something that I'm not shocked by. The fear base, I believe most people by their very necessity come from fear. Mm. You know, it is very much that thing that we're conditioned to do. Absolutely. We're not, um, and that's part of our natures as well. There's very few people by its very nature uh, that are able to be against the grain, mm. you know. So people are, we, we need for but, our safety. But we also spoke about that it's also very important that we have those people that, 100%. that, that go against the grain and speak against the grain and think against the grain. That's right, but, and then co what comes with that is the consequences and your ability to deal with that. So my, my desire, my necessity, my, well, my inability to not be against the grain comes at a cost. So mm. I believe you pay the piper. Mm. So I don't regress being the nature that I am. I've got mm. to meet people like yourself and we get to engage. I get to, luckily for being the joker I am, I've lived a blessed life with a lot of special souls around mm. me um, that are interested for some reason in me too. So I've been very blessed by my nature, but the cost is I also cause a lot of controversy. Yeah. I'm often in a lot of trouble. I, you know, I'm, I, I... And how do you... You've just come out of the rehab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I spent three. I wouldn't really call it a rehab. No, it wasn't really rehab. It was more like a detox. I yeah. wanted to give up alcohol. Three yeah. weeks there. Yeah. So, you feel good giving up the alcohol? Look, it's still it's, it's the beginning stages. It's very uh, alcohol is an interesting one. You know, it wasn't an issue for me up until the last five years. Um, but you were you were drinking a bit. You were telling me you, you were downing a, a bottle of vodka. Look, night. it was getting close to a bottle of vodka every day. Yeah. Um, especially since Corona. Was that hit. happening during the day? Or well, just before night? before Corona, when I had the shop, it was happening at three past five every day. Okay. Um, knock off time. Yeah, knock off time, and yep. it was literally three past five. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got a problem when you go to any bottle shop in your actual area, and they pick your bottle down yep. for you when you walk in the yep. door. <laughs> um, which was happening. Um, the, 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 I guess the advantage or disadvantage of me is most people wouldn't recognise unless I was very drunk. So mm. you wouldn't know if I was only half a bottle in. Yeah. Um, so I have a fairly high tolerance to intoxicants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, was, it became, it was a habitual thing. I couldn't socialise without it. Um, regardless of how I appear to others, I actually suffer quite uh, strongly with social anxiety. Yep. I've just got a very good uh, skill set of masking that mm. I, I perform. Um, so it, it is a bit difficult, you know, it's, it's uh, just cooking dinner with the kids or when the afternoon comes and I'm used to having that drink, uh, not having it is definitely... What about um, you, cigarettes? You still smoking? Uh, yeah, still smoking. I, I gave up for four years. I took it up a few years ago. It's, yep. it's a horrible uh, addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, one of the things I was going to be a, a tobacco dealer uh, when the coronavirus started, right? Of course you were. So I bought two kilos of tobacco because I was thinking, you know, if cash doesn't work, what is going to be a highly but? This is where my yeah. brain went, mate. Yeah. I fucking bought CB radios, tobacco, fucking all, all this gear. Gerard, Salad, Jason, Fucking, I went nuts, right? But the reality was, I'm a shit dealer. So every friend would come around and just yeah, give just them 50 grand. Yeah, have some tobacco, have some yeah. tobacco. I've still got a kilo left of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I'm still smoking cigarettes. I'm so, not so happy about it. So what's your plan moving forward? Coming out of, mm. coming out of you know, getting off, getting off, the, off, off the drink. Yeah. Still smoking. Obviously yeah. trying to make sure that you don't touch any, anything harder again. How are you moving forward with things like pot? And yep. So, so at the moment, my, my, my uh, look, I'm very blessed that I've got enough people in my life and I give them permission to, to recognise where I'm going to be at at any given time, if that makes sense. Yep. So I'm very open with where I'm at. I'm open where I'm at with my mental health issues and yep. I'm open at um, where I'm at with my addiction issues. So if I, and, and I'm fairly self-aware, 
Um, if I, you know, as I said, I was abstinent for 13 years. So abstinence means I, mean, I was smoking cigarettes, but except for that, I didn't drink, take any drugs, smoke weed. So abstinence was completely clean off everything. Um, so I've got the experience of that in my, in my back pocket. Yeah. I know where to go if I need to go if down If you that put path. your mind to it, you know you can do it. It's possible, it's capable. Yeah. Currently, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to. I'd yeah. like to have a joint of the night. Yes. I like it, it relaxes me. Yeah. I'm generally, you know, unless I'm too drunk, I'm a fairly good intoxicant. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's like any, I, it's, it's about knowing where you can have a little bit and well, where your limit is, where you go too far, and suddenly you just well, go. Well, ah, this is fuck you know it. this is a this is the difficult thing yeah. with me is I mean you're somebody that is a very disciplined soul by your very nature, by what you do, by what you've chosen to do in, in all the areas. This is mm. my perception of you. Yeah. I'm not that. Yeah. I am the least disciplined person that I know. So yeah. I guess one to answer your question. But you also is, revel in that. You like being that. You like being that. I love chaos. You love being that unbridled stallion. I love chaos. Chaos, chaos suits me. Chaos suits me. So I'm not. I'm not limited to to anything. And I guess so. I justify it to be able to continue (laughs) to do it. But to answer your question, what I see, I very much need to put into place is a number of things. I've been very blessed that my body has put up with the shit that I've put it through Mm. for so long. But I'm coming up to the, you know, my fiftieth, as you know, um, as you're already there. And I'm very lucky with the amount of stuff that I've put in myself that I'm still, I'm okay. Yeah. It won't be long though. Mm. You know, and alcohol is really taking its toll on me. I know I've got to stimulate myself in both mentally, physically, and uh, emotionally. Mm. I need to, and spiritually. So I've got to take care of, if I'm not taking care of, I think that's broad spectrum approach to living, I will be suffering. Well, I, I think, Personally, I think we all need to be taking care of of, of all those things. Yes. The problem is not many people do. We well, usually well, concentrate on one. Well, they're not two. forced to. Well, they're not forced to. Yeah. So I've been blessed. Like with heroin addiction, this mm. is why I talk about gratitude with heroin addiction. Because I was down on my knees, because I was so fucked, because I was close to death, mm. I was forced to make dramatic changes. Mm. So most people in their life can live their life without having yeah. to make dramatic changes. Mm. So because I live the radical life I do, mm. I'm brought to my knees, I've got to make fucking changes. And as you said, I'm a dad. I love my boys. I'm not the perfect dad, but I'm a very loving mm. dad. For me, it was the, I never knew what love was until I had a child. Yeah. And then oh, yes. Same. Y- 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 Same. you discover, yeah. you know, and I speak to men, that not all men are like that. Yeah. For me, it was the biggest paradigm shift of my life mm. um, to know that I would die for another, yeah. literally. Not it's crazy, it wasn't it? word, it was not words, I meant it. Mm, It's crazy. When he was born, I remember it to this day. I didn't feel it with the other two. I think you only have one paradigm shift in that moment. It took me a while (laughs) to connect to the other two. I remember ringing my family and and looking at this child and I was was fucking bawling my eyes out and I was on the phone to my friends going, I have never seen a more beautiful nose in my life. Mm. I have never seen more perfect lips or eyes. I look at photos of him now when he was, he was a freak. He looked like a fucking freak, but I was in that, that, okay, as you know. It's you yours, get, it's your creation. And it's unexplainable, mm. you know. Unfortunately, the English language does not have enough words for love. It's like that old saying, he's got a face only a mother could love. Yeah, that's right. You know? Well, I see that now. Yeah. I saw it with Mother too straight away. Yeah. They were just like, I don't like little babies. Yeah. Like little, little babies, <laughs> maybe because I'm fucking, uh, you know, they don't give me anything. But you know what? I think that is what, from a man's point of view, women, women really gravitate with the babies because they're, they're suckling, mm. they're, they're nursing. Mm. The women love that. I think, and for me, I didn't really 
really enjoy, enjoy. Like I loved it, mm. but really it got me off once once my boy got to about two and a half, three, and I could start. Years old? Oh, yeah. For me, it was when, smiling. When I, I could start, no, when I can start doing kicking shit. a ball oh, and doing shit and, and having a conversation yeah, where yeah, you just yeah. go, Dada, this, Dada, that. And I'm yeah. like, yes, we're talking. Yeah, we're, but then, then it regresses, ready. mate. So wait till teenagehood, right? So that is perfect. <laughs> so I love, my favourite's Dr. Zeus Land. So anywhere from two to about six is where they live in half imagination and yeah. half fucking reality. Wait till teenagehood when they start knowing everything about everything. Yeah, That's sure. a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Look, parenthood for me is, is, is the greatest joy that I've ever experienced in mm. life. It's also the biggest burden, the thing that causes me the most upset. Yeah. Um, well, it's, 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 yeah, it's because there's something that you love so much. Well, their pain's my pain. It can also cause you the most pain. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? And I've got this thing, I don't know if I should talk about it, but it's real. Like, I... You know, I've got three and I go, fuck, you know, because I've got this whole... I'm quite fascinated by death. Mm. I really am fascinated by death, I think, because culturally we don't deal with mm. it. So we live in a very unrealistic perception. I was just speaking in rehab. There was an amazing guy called Ron. He, he was just... He was, he was a real asset there. And, you know, we're talking about death a lot. And he goes, mate, we're dying in every single breath we've had from that first breath mm. we've taken. And then we have our last breath when we die. But every time in between, we're one step closer True. to death. You know, but so I look at them and go, fuck, if something happens, even when they get sick or break their arm, it hurts me more than it was if it myself. So mm. we've got this thing that I look at that is so precious to me. I mean, when my dog died, that was, that was heartbreaking and mm. horrible. So you, you, you're creating these living beings mm. with the reality of going, they're going to die one day. I just hope to God that it's me first. Mm. You know, I think, I think that's um, what we all, I was only speaking to a mate about this yesterday, that one of the things of being a parent is that you... You never want to have to bury your own child. No, like that's right. And I've had friends that have experienced yeah. that. And that is one thing I'm not very good with. I said I'm good with that. I, I struggle with that mm. because I make it about me. Yeah. I can't see, I see my child in there. Mm. So, yeah. look, that's so... But as I said, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's a beautiful, constant reflection of yourself. Mm. So getting back to that question about the how, how do my children feel about it... Um, as I said, to the best of my ability in regards to their age, I am fairly honest with who and what I am. Yeah. Um, I don't really hide anything from them in as far as, um, you know, age appropriate, of course. Age appropriate, honest discourse. That's where right. It's, it's, they've got to see the real you. Yes. They've got to understand how you came to be what you are. Well, that's right. And why they admire things about you. And why they fucking can't stand and why they can't things stand about things about certain things about understand me. that can't. Well, what I what I try and do the thing. So you know, look, I, I've got a, a very interesting dynamic father. I adore him, um, but he drives me fucking nuts. And one of the things that I'm really seeing now as an adult is his inability to um, ever apologise. <laughs> for his behaviours. You know what I mean? He really, and still to this day, I'm 47, yep. I don't think he's ever said yep. sorry for anything. Yep. Um, I'll put my hand up with parents like that too. So uh, one of my things, because by no means am I a great dad, but, and I guess for me, look, I'm really lucky that I've got the mind that I can justify any of my behaviours, right? <laughs> so I think, so for them, one thing that I do that's very different, so some of, I don't know for you, like, I'm also the worst traits of both my parents. So the things I yeah. hated most about them, oh, I can I see, them, I do, 
it? Do you do it? Sometimes I, I oh, say something fuck. and go, fuck, that's that my sound dad. like my mother. Oh, no, my mum or my dad. So I do the same behaviour. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's something about my oldest boy and I adore him. He is the sweetest soul you'll ever meet, but he drives me fucking crazy. He reminds right? you of your mum or dad or something? No, no, no. He's just so airy, fucking fairy. Um, you can't get... Like, he started to smoke weed. He's 16, right? But you can't ask him solid fucking questions like... Uh, like just an example, you know, did you smoke the other night? Not really, he'll answer. And it's not a, it's not, a not really kind of question. You yeah. know? It's like, well, I only had a cone. Yeah. You know, things like that. And it drives me, this yeah. sort of thing, I didn't get crazy with that, but certain things that he says, it drives me fucking nuts. And I find myself really going for him. And what happens? I go for him, he gets really upset. I go for him a little bit more and I really recognise my father's style of rage on him. But I go downstairs, I sit and I reflect. And I really look at what has just happened mm. and the behaviour that I've just done and, and presented to him. And do you come back and apologise? I always come back and yeah. apologise. I wake him up at night. If it's at night time. <laughs> I know. So I'm sorry. Pretty much. I scared the <laughs> shit out of him waking up. No, no, no. I've done it. I scared him sometimes because I'm standing over his bed feeling guilty he wakes up all freaked out. Only that would because. Be fucking freaky. Look, it's probably not Wait, the best approach. No, it's not. Um, but it's taken me a little bit of time to calm down. I yeah. go and reflect on myself. But the way that I justify it and figure out that it's better than. I don't want him waking up in the morning like I used to wake up thinking Being that angry. I was wrong. Yeah. No, no, that there's something wrong with me. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, that yeah. I'm wrong, that yeah. I've presented to him that mm. something about his behaviours is wrong, that yeah. he's wrong as a person. Yeah. And that's something I don't think obviously my father meant to do that to me. Mm. But by allowing me to go to bed or uh, my mother's even harsher, she wouldn't talk to me for a month over small indiscretions. Mm. She's quite sort of full on. Yeah. Um, my mother hasn't spoken to me for months now. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but I, got I don't have mother issues. Right. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> I didn't spend nine months at the buttery talking about my mother. Um, but so I think, you know, being a parent is a beautiful ability to adapt and change and be always strive to be a better version of what I am. So, and I think there's something in life as well that to, for them to recognise the humanness of me. So I'm not at any stage, although I'm, I'm quite a, I'd call myself a strict parent. Um, uh, I see, I, you know, I see a lot of free-range kids around mm. here. I, you know, working in retail, I see a lot of fuckwit children out mm. there. So I believe, I believe in discipline. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, look, I'm 100. percent I think discipline, discipline, well, and sure. it's, that's, that's, that's what that's, you teach. That's what I, I mean, teach. you teach discipline. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people you'd see around here don't mm. recognise the mm. discipline for their children. Their children are so special, and I see a lot of fuckwit kids out mm. there. Um, so for me, but it's, so it's an ability to know when I've, when I've, if I'm in the wrong, I apologize. Mm. I try and I try different approaches to doing it and also recognizing them as individuals. Mm. My middle boy, I call, we call him Putin. Yeah. So Putin has this ability. His name's Ethan, incredible kid, very, mm. very switched on. Doesn't have the sensitivities. He's actually a sensitive soul, but he's a Gemini. So he's got this duality to him. He won't. I love he, Gemini. Hey, uh, hey, don't you knock Geminis. Look, you know, hey, I'm going to have a chat to Putin. Yeah, yeah, no, you get on very well <laughs> with Putin. But he, um, he's got this ability, like, unlike his brother, that when he's in trouble with me, he has a particular look that he gives me that just stops me in my fucking tracks. Mm. You know, he's got this ability by not... The problem with my oldest boy, anyone, it's very hard, I don't know, you know, with discussions or arguments with me are mm. very, very difficult. Mm. So you've got to be pretty fucking quick and switched on yeah. to, to partake. Mm. My big boy doesn't have it, so he just says stupid shit, and yeah. I just lose my and fucking and shit. You more. It kills me, I yeah. fucking lose it. Because yeah. uh, I want logic, it's not logical. It's not yeah. logical I'm saying to him. Yeah. What you're saying doesn't make any... My big boy, uh, my middle boy just looks at me. He just looks at me, I shut the fuck up. Yeah. 
You know, he's got this ability. So, so I recognise them for who they are as mm. well. Um, you know, at the beginning of this of the crisis, as I said, I went. I, I pretty much brought military rule into the house. I'd have times. Don't get me wrong. I had times every day. I, I sectioned off time for play. Yep. Yeah, and then time for not fucking play. Yep. So if I said let's bug out, yep. I went full on, man. Yep. Like we would. I would have to know where everything is, where the food was, where the water is, yep. where petrol was, stuff like that. Yep. Right. I had to learn the phonetic alphabet. They were tested on it, stuff like that. Yep. But I caused... Now for brother Charlie Fox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come in. It was fucking fantastic. You teach him how to use the CVs Yeah, yeah, no, we bought CVs. <laughs> I went for 15K. We went trekking. We'd go to different points. We'd have did little... You, did you have your, um, any like, code words? Like if they were in trouble? Yeah, yeah, like, we fully had code words. Uh, we had... Eagles loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had full code <laughs> words. We had bug out words. We had places we were going to bug out. We had scenarios. Do you planning. have rendezvous and meeting points if shit went down? Look, it sounds funny, but seriously... No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully serious. I'm expecting to have it. I want to no, know. No, but it's not... This is great. It's not that it's ever been... I've never done this shit before. I've never been what's considered a prepper but as I said I genuinely believed in being a father that once it happens it's too late to make plans you mm. can't make plans afterwards you make plans for the worst case scenario obviously not wanting that but the signs on the wall were there mm. so because I'm somebody I've read a lot of history I do watch the news I see things I'm very hyper aware hyper vigilant hyper sensitive to what's happening in my surroundings that when I see certain signs happening I know what a possibility could happen next. All possibilities are possible, but there's certain possibilities mm, that you can't man. do. When they closed the hard border in Queensland, from that day, she changed it again just last weekend. At 8 a.m., it changed. Mm. There was no warning. In India, when they went into lockdown, they, they didn't give them notice. They said it was going to be for 24 hours. When, and they had to tell the population that as soon as they were indoors, oh, sorry, we meant a month. You know what I mean? So what do, what do you it's, do? It's the same sort of thing when they when when they suddenly get these you know executive powers. Mm. Oh, hey. sorry, I thought it was only going to be for three of, months, of but course. now now it's we're, we're just going to keep it in place now. Well, that's right. So I mean, <laughs> you know, we joked at the toilet paper thing, and we still do still do now as a funny thing. But after the first couple of days of seeing that, because it did go for a few weeks, it was mm. the first thing to happen. And then there was a second wave of toilet of paper. Of toilet going, paper. Yeah. And it was very fucking strange. And I recognised then, if, and it was real. Like, there was no fucking toilet paper. There was no fucking toilet paper. And so I, after laughing about it, I actually went, this is quite scary. First, how stupid fucking you know people what? are. If you can't it's... shit, you can't. If you can't eat, you can't shit. Baked beans should be first. Well, that's what my, yeah, my yeah. dad told me that very, when I was very young. But toilet fucking paper. So it was a joke. It made no fucking sense. Yeah, I just, I've just worked it out. Mm. You know why people got toilet paper? No. Because shit was about to go down. Oh, sure. Have you, anyway. thought of, have you said that no, before? No, I just thought of that then. That's, that's, that's good, I know. No, no, no. I'll give you and I'm not even on drugs. No, that's fantastic. Um, but that's, that's scary, you know. That, was, that freaked me the fuck. It freaked me out. So mm. with the history, as I said, that I've got. But what was good about it in hindsight is I really recognised my mental health issues, the extremities that I can go to. You know, I caused a panic attack in my, my oldest boy. Because uh, <laughs> I, I went, um, uh, yeah, no, he yeah. had a fucking full panic yeah. attack. Because I went, you know, for me, I've got this thing with time. So if I say they can go out for two hours, three hours, a day, whatever it is, if I say a time to be home, it's to the fucking minute. Yeah. If not, you call me an hour before. Mm. I've got a real thing with time for me. Yeah, it's I've whole... got a bit of a thing with time yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but yeah. It, like I was late this morning, but I texted you. But when yeah. I was late, didn't yeah. I? I texted you. I was meant to be here. I said yeah. I'm going to be ten minutes late. Yeah. I was only ten minutes late, yeah. but I let you know. Mm. It's a respect thing, anyway. But I freaked. I went too far with him. He had a panic attack. What was beautiful about it, though, 
was I, I you know, obviously I, I had to self-reflect and go, fuck, you know, like I caused this. Um, a, I was able to recognise, shit, this kid's got some issues that if he gets in a certain amount of stress, this is where he goes to. So this is something I'll have to work on with him because mm. if I, it's actually good seeing what, because life can have a habit well, of... You've got to know what his yeah, stress level is. Where his boundaries are. Where his boundaries are, but yeah. even what's going to happen to him in life and mm. how to cope with those. But I was able to reflect and through that, I actually told, revealed a lot about myself to him. Mm. So I had a very honest, it was the only time he was 16, I never told him before about my heroin addiction. Mm. I hadn't told him, he knew little bits and pieces, but I hadn't told him the full story. And what that was able to do was connect us even closer. Mm. So he was able to see who I was as a human being. Mate, the old saying, honesty is the best policy. At, age appropriately. Yeah, age appropriately. Age appropriately. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, it only brought us closer together. So, you know, you asked before, you know, as far as what they know. So I came back from rehab very much telling them, Again, my youngest one's eight, so his ability to understand the depths of what I'm of course, talking yeah. about. Yeah. But I explain what bipolar two is, mm. you know, what, how that will play out, that I'm now taking medicine to help me with that. The particular medicine I'm on doesn't have many side effects, hopefully. Um, so so you, the, you are on medication? I'm on medication for bipolar two. And are you finding that is, is, is the aim of that medication just to sort of give you that it's middle a mood, ground? It's a mood stabiliser. Yeah. Um, so what that does, yeah, it doesn't enable, it's meant to work in a way that you don't over, go over the Top, yeah. and I don't get depressed. Like I even well. said it when you when you when I first saw you at the front door, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen you for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were. It felt there because mm. I've seen you at your manic. Mm. I've felt you at your, you mm. know, mm. and yeah, you were sort of yeah there. But having throughout the process of this conversation over the last hour or two since you've been here, mm. I can feel your energy is getting is it was a little bit on the lower side yeah well, i just woke up 8 30 is not my Dude, fucking oh, okay. time yeah, yeah. 8 30 is not my 8 30 is not i had a, I, as soon as i had a coffee i was much better but you know the black coffee um 8 30 is definitely not my time but look i've still got it within me i mean i, I think people are definitely recognizing i'm able to you know I'm, I'm i am getting i'm very lucky because of i think the relationship i have with others and my as you know i say it as i see it generally mm. You know, I'm very honest. And I think what that does is give the ability for people to reflect back to me. Mm. Most people are generally so stuck on small talk and Mm. small, not really going deep. But because I challenge people in their way, people feel the comfortability to do it back to me. I actually hate catching up with people for a coffee or anything mm, because mm. I hate small talk. I know, I know, but this is it what drives me nuts. But what to do, you know? But so I can play, if I can't, for me, what drives me nuts, if I can't fucking play. Mm. For me, mostly it's banter. Yeah. I've got the ability and I love going deep with yeah. people, but even banter's fantastic because yeah. you don't know where the fuck it's going to lead you. As long you. as it's that, as long as it's, what I, what I mean by... No, no, I know what you're talking you know, about. Like, just how's the fucking weather? Just, Did yeah. you watch the rugby on the weekend? Yeah. Fucking what's going yeah. What have you been doing? This, that, And then you have... Catch up with someone else. It's the same fucking uh, yeah. conversation. Or something. It's like oh, I fucking no, this is. Awesome. A, I've been lived here. What have you been here? Ten years now. Mm, yeah, eight. Yeah, so I've been eight, here twenty nine, fucking eight. years, right? So just getting fucking milk from Coles. The amount of how are you okay mm. that I've got to go through just to get fucking milk because they put it right at the back of the supermarket. <laughs> you know, I walk in and you know people go just put headphones on and glasses. I can't do. You know, but that's I mean? smart putting it at the back because what they want to do. No, of course, is I understand. Most people just come in for milk or no, bread. No, I understand the fucking concept of why they do what they do. I'm talking about the stuff. I understand. Yeah, Thanks, thanks, Buzz, for hey, well, I just explaining just how in case, supermarket... Just I didn't know if you're fucking... What, for the, for the listeners or for... Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Oh, is that why they do it? Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I've got to say, g'day, how are you going? Yeah. And respond okay. Put headphones on. 
well, that's what people fucking say, but I know so many people, I can't pretend I don't. My problem is if I have eye contact with somebody, yeah. I find it very hard, I feel rude. Yeah. And people think, most people think I'm an arrogant fucker anyway, yeah. which I probably you am. Sort of yeah. Well, I am. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, look, first world problems, mate. First world problems. <laughs> mate, it's been fucking awesome catching I up with you. I love you, guys. I haven't I seen love you for so long. I know, I know. And I'm so looking forward to training with you, mate. I'm going to make it happen. We're going to book it in. I'm going to come in. We'll book it in. We'll, we'll organise that now. We'll have another cup of tea or something before you go. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we'll book it in and start getting you out doing it. Mate, mate, I've always loved you, my friend. I've always loved you, bro. This has been another episode of the Bold and the Beautiful podcast. Davella has left the building.